So if you haven't listened to the episode prior to this one, the mental health episode part one, it is the part one of the uh, panel that I was on at the Florida Brewers Conference uh, of 2018. And go back and listen to that one. So if you, you missed a week, uh, go back and you're going to check out the first half of it. Because I'm not going to say that the second half doesn't apply, but it, it just probably wouldn't make sense. Uh, so then go back to that one. Okay, now uh, this is the second uh, the second part of it. This is the other 45 to, to 50 minutes of what you're going to hear of the second part of it. And again, being Brian Quain of What Ails Ya, um, a lot of the views and that we hear uh, of other other participants in the panel, uh, they have their views and we have ours, and uh, so and vice versa. So we just want to say, you know, I know some discussion has happened since the the last one that went up, and a lot of it actually, thank God, is been really awesome, awesome positive feedback. You knew that this episode was coming because we talked a lot about it and we want to do more about it. And even at the at the conference, we talked about how I wanted this to be an episode. So it is. And it uh, and and now people have been emailing and, and reaching out. And I think that's insane. That's that's awesome. Uh, again, yes, you could reach out to us at any time. We are tasting notes at whatalesia.beer or even reach out to me on Facebook, guys. Um, I don't ever want to feel like a company where it's just, well, you know, I don't want to get into it. No, this is mental health. And I, if I'm talking to you about beer uh, out and about or if you message me or if it's about the shirts or if it's about this included even more so. So please. Uh, anything that you feel that you are that you want to talk to somebody about, I'm here. And I know a lot of times people say, "Oh, there's hotlines," and people don't might not feel comfortable talking to somebody. But you know, I am open, and you know, I'm here. And, you, and hopefully, by now, you you've listened to episodes, knowing that oh, I know who he is. So uh, if you ever need someone to talk to, we are here. Okay, so really quick, as Shankly is making himself very uh, at home on a chair. Thank you, boy. Uh, we're gonna get into the next one. So let's get into the second second half of this. Uh, don't want to say much because you already heard the first one. So let's go into this one. Uh, and after that, uh, we'll we'll do our thank yous and and what's coming next. So all right, guys, thanks. Patreon is a website that allows musicians, artists, and podcasters like myself to give back to our fan base, our listeners, and subscribers and fans who want more than what we're just posting here. Patreon.com slash allows us to post more content, video and audio, insight on who we are, and helps us build to the next level. Well, by now, you may have seen us on YouTube, Twitch.tv, and that we're also planning that new podcast. Well, that's where you could help in signing up for our Patreon. Go to Patreon.com slash what ails you and you will see the levels of memberships we have for exclusive content that's video and audio all the new and exclusive shirts that we have and all that cool swag or even being our guest and joining us at events that us what ails you will be hosting check it out patreon.com slash what ails you back to the show I was drinking my fizzy drink, sorry. Yeah, to be clear, this yeah. is water, not a bottle of vodka. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. I, I came to the panel look equipped. Like there you are. Uh, just for the record. Okay, so just a reminder, if you want to send in questions to the panel, you can do so by going to slido.com and entering the participant code. Before we left, we actually had some questions roll in. We're going to do a poll real quick. Um, and it actually relates to the question that came up that I'll follow up with. 
So who struggles with balancing life in the brewery industry with other parts of your life? <laughs> Five, come on. I want to see an outlier. Is there someone who's just doing it all and doing great at it? <laughs> right? Nobody's, no one, and I always struggle with the word balance too. When I work with clients, I feel like I have to explain to them that there's really no such thing as balance because in one area, you're going to be giving a lot more at times than other areas, but we have to be sure that we have those positive coping skills to help us when things get really stressful and terrifying. This, so, this question, I gotta be honest, this pops up every time we go on a vacation. Mm -hmm. Every time. If the puppies are going, if Shankly and Paisley are going with us, then I know there's no interview to be done. <laughs> but uh, like going to Portland, the last time we went to Portland, uh, I had to interview a band from Australia and one of the most important bands ever. And we get into mental, when we get into mental health and, uh, and depression, uh, the band Gang of Youth. There's a band called Gang of Youth from uh, Australia and their new album, Go Farther in Lightness, is, there's a reason why it's called Go Farther in Lightness. Uh, the lead singer is very openly uh, about a suicide attempt he had. There's a song called Magnolia about it. But uh, yeah, I, going to Portland, I'm like, oh my God, I get to interview this band and it's Jillian going, yeah, but uh, no great notion. You're not talking to Fort George. Remember, you were a Florida brewery, like Florida beer podcast. And I'm like, yeah, those, those days are good, but we're going to get to Portland soon. Uh, so yeah, the, the work-life balance is kind of crazy with me. I have to remember, if we're going on a trip, leave the audio equipment at home, please. So yeah. yeah. I can say that um, I, that is something I struggle at significantly. I feel like sometimes I have zero life outside of brewing industry. And it's, it's really difficult because because it is such a like you know social industry to be a part of, and, and you end up befriending so many industry people, um, those are the people you hang out with. So like your life is just like always brewery, always all the time. And I mean, I used to do a lot of different things. I used to do horseback riding. I used to do yoga, and it's like I'll tell myself like I'm okay. I need to get back into this, and like I just always just slide back into what's easier, which is okay, I'll just go have a beer and hang out with, you know, my brewery friends. And so I think that that is an incredibly, that's a really good question and it's an incredibly challenging thing, especially as the business owner when it's like you sometimes feel like you can never turn off from, you know, work and you can't, you know, find your own time for yourself to develop other healthy, good things that, you know, I don't know. No, and yeah. it also comes down to that should be the ultimate question we kind of start off with. Mm -hmm. Honestly, is there a work-life balance? If you are becoming work outside, and I do, I can't go to a brewery. If I have to go to, like, let's say if I go to Gina over at uh, Black Cauldron, if somebody there is like, oh, you're Brian Quinn, what else you? And it's like, hee -hee. and I, I'm always on. I have to be always on. I love it. Trust me. Even if people are watching, come up to me. I want to meet you. I'm not, it's not me saying, like, I want to take a step back from, no, I love meeting people. Beer makes it easy, too. But at the same time, it's crazy that I'm having to be on and you have to put your face out there. And I'm gonna name drop. It's one thing that Tony Bourdain taught me day one I met him is that when you put your face out there and you need to put your face out there, I was like, no, um, get ready. Yeah. You are on, you are on, so yeah. Yeah, well, and to your point about vacation also, I, I legitimately cannot remember the last time I took a vacation that was not related to you know, I, like an actual vacation. I mean, because I travel a lot for work and it's fun, so you feel like, well, I don't deserve that vacation because, you know, I'm traveling for work and, and having a good time. But it, it's still work and you need to like, 
you know, I'm having, I'm going on like uh, having a family reunion at the end of this month, and I'm so looking forward to it because it's like, okay, great, this is not a beer-related thing where I'm going <laughs> to like a festival or you know whatever. I love you guys, but you know, I need a break from you. And then there's <laughs> the stress of the family, and then you go to a brewery. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're all going to ask me about the brewery and what's going on. Yeah. And oh wait, it is work still. Never mind. <laughs> And I think we 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 deal with that because a lot of times family thinks that oh you're on vacation no we're working actually this yeah. is not mm -hmm. like a vacation for us we're you know out of events talking to people mm -hmm. and I think the perception sometimes if you don't have the support of outsiders understanding that it is a job too can make it challenging. Yeah. Well, I think trying to put balance into life is is part of the American phenomena. You know. We, we don't do a good job about it and, you know, unfortunately I think so many of us are hooked to our electronics that, right, we don't turn off at all, even when we're on vacation. Um, and I was on vacation last week and I finally took a real vacation for, you know, first in like 10 years. And Where'd you go? Uh, Where'd you, where was vacation? It was in New York. There you go. Upstate New York. <laughs> upstate New York? Yeah. Um, our lake place. Um, and <clears throat> thankfully, that place does not get internet. So you have to kind awesome. of turn, <laughs> turn off. Um, but it's when you do take that vacation, oh my God, you come back to work <coughs> so much better, you know? And I don't think we give credence to that enough. Uh, you know, our European folks um, make sure they get eight weeks of vacation, you know, uh, the month of August, most of Europe shuts down. We need to, to take a look at what we're doing, you know? Why do we work so hard? Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I think Marcus was Marcus from Brewski was here for about what three months. Oh I mean, my he god! Was, right? He was working too, but he was probably on vacation a little bit of that. Making um, beer at yeah, different breweries. Yeah, yeah. But his family was, was on vacation. vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So we should crazy. take some some notes from from yeah. Europeans and yeah. take more time for ourselves. I should have gotten that interview. I definitely noticed even like if I've you know taken just a day or something every once in a while. I mean the. The, my ability to kind of get back into the swing of things when I come back from that is significant. So, I mean, it is really, you need that restoration period where you just get away from it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially I think one thing I really want to do and I haven't done is just being like, okay, after this time of day, nobody, you know, don't talk to me unless it's like an absolute emergency. Because, um, I mean, <laughs> I fall into the same yeah. thing where it's like, I'll be like, thinking about something work-related and text one of my employees, and I'm like, that's probably not like a good, you know, I'm not well, letting them have their personal right. life. And is it so, that urgent, you know? So it's it's easy to kind of fall into just always thinking about but that. But here's the question. Could you do that? Could Was, you actually at, at 8 p.m. turn off? I feel like I could. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel like I've got the staff in place that if there was something that was really urgent, you know, I, they could take care of it. Mm -hmm. um, You're a and better human than I am. <laughs> <laughs> because, honestly, I, mean, well, I haven't have done it. You have, to work. you have to work on yourself yeah. <laughs> to let that go. Yeah. No, <laughs> but no, I feel bad for Andy sometimes. You will call me at like 9. I'm like, I did. I turned off. But, uh, but I, I feel like it's always on the mind. Sure. Like, you know, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. As I'm always thing. creating. Um, yeah. always on the mind. See, this came up for some reason in conversation, um, Steve, who manages uh, Sign and Vine with Ty out in Tampa, he is one of those people where he has an idea and he wants to like get it out, like mm -hmm. get it out of his head and off. But he sets up um, a way for the email not to like show up to Ty until a designated time. So that, like Ty's not getting a message from him at midnight of something he thought of, it goes to him at a later time in the morning when he's awake. 
And I think right. that's another way. I mean, I've done that too because I also don't want people to think like I'm thinking and working at you know two in the morning or what's the matter with her? Why is she working at two in the morning? Yeah. So you can schedule your emails to go out at a certain time too Ooh. to get it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to go ahead and hit a couple of these questions that have been coming in. Um, one of them says, or let me move to this one. Let's clear that one. So someone from the audience said, we say we are drug-free workplace. Should we drug test? <laughs> I don't, I mean. It's pretty well, easy to yeah, drug test. Yeah, let's talk to the I people on the end. Yeah, <laughs> so it's pretty easy to drug test. I mean, you can call me and I'll help you get them, but they're easy to buy. I buy, I spend almost $2,500 a month on drug tests. They cost anywhere between $2.50 and up to $5 for a 15 panel. You can also do an ETG test that tests for alcohol within the last five days. And so again, I told you I tried to do this in my restaurant and it was much, it's very difficult because some of the people, you might not even realize that they're using drugs recreationally. And you know, the drug test only test for whatever the cutoff period so you wouldn't know that they did drugs that day necessarily. You would know that they did, you know, especially marijuana lasts for like 30 days, depending on body fat. So they could have gotten high, you know, not at work. So I think it would be reasonable to, to try that and see how it works. And I, but I, if I were gonna drug test, I wouldn't do like, if you drug test positive, you're fired. Because I don't think that would be helpful. If you don't drug, if you drug test positive, we're gonna help you get some treatment, which is, where somebody proactive. like me comes in, and I think that would be really proactive because then you end up with a, when they're in treatment, which they're drug tested regularly, and you know, we work with, I work with different employers, work with Outback, work with Publix, and we take those people, and while they're with us, they're clean and sober, and so you actually end up with a better employee, so it's pretty cost effective, actually. Um. Uh, to be honest, I work for what we just announced a $1 trillion company. And uh, with that being my part-time job, doing a lot more with what ails you, um, I never smoked weed until I was 41 years old. And uh, every night now, every night. And it's helped me, and I don't smoke during the day, I don't. It has to be at night, it's helped me sleep better. Um, I don't wish someone to drug test me on it. I just think that if it's helping me, uh, it's something that I feel like I should go through, same way that it's just like a beer at night or Jillian and I sharing a, a bottle of wine at night. Uh, it, it's never, I feel, and I work for that company, and trust me, I work for, I have 200 and something employees at work. And <coughs> to be honest, uh, they're all as well with you know a lot of their employees. That's where I get it. Uh, but it's just basically, I, I think if you just know how you're doing it, what you're doing, and, and I don't know, to say drug testing on marijuana is, I don't know. Uh, I, I see it probably in the next five years legalizing everywhere, and it's gonna help a community. I mean, help a, like, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't feel, it, it's kind of a catch-22, but I don't feel drug testing for marijuana is like a, it should not be slapped on the wrist. I did for years, for four decades. I was like, never, never, never going to do it. I'm fine. I'm fine. And finally, when we said, yeah, we need to sleep better, it's helped a lot. 
it's really helped a lot. Well, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not the prescriber on the panel, so the prescriber on the panel could probably speak to this. I think it's actually just more of an issue if you have people that are taking prescription drugs, but then they're also adding other substances. You're looking at interactions um, that could be, that could be um, a challenge um, if you're, you know, using. Well, even things like antidepressants, alcohol and antidepressants um, tend to be uh, synergistic. So you get an enhanced alcohol effect. So I always have to educate, especially when you're dealing with young people, um, you know, you can't just go out and go crazy because you probably are going to get bumped. You know, you can have try one drink and see how you do, rather than going out and having your usual three or four, um, and then finding out that, number one, it made you super drunk, and then you're super hungover. Um, that's just not a good thing. But I think the question is, if we say we're a drug-free workplace, you know, so where does that come up in the conversation? Because, Sean, you talked about marijuana. Well, yet right now it's still considered a drug. So right. do we change the terminology? Drug versus drug free, you know, what are we what are we tolerating and what aren't we tolerating? Well, and I think it's also from a business a workman's comp issue too. I mean, mm -hmm. if you have oh, someone who's using, yeah. they get injured on the job. We deal with a lot of heavy duty machines. Hmm? Right, right. Yeah, you yeah. immediately would get drug tested, um, but it, certainly it does speak to a conversation of organizations, companies need to be looking at their policies. Um, to determine what is the best fit for them and the culture that they want to create within their company. Um, <laughs> this actually goes along with it, so I'm gonna post, I'm gonna post it too. So are we, um, to be clear, are we promoting selling less beer <laughs> by this discussion? Um, I don't think it's really about, you know, and, and consumption actually came up when this conversation was first explored of like, hey, maybe we should be talking about it, because it's not really about selling less beer it's being more mindful, mm -hmm. um, you know, consumption. Um, we have games that we play in using consumption. Um, it is very, consumption's very much a part of our culture, but having an awareness of it and what are we doing about it? Um, you know, what are we putting out there on social media? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, being leaders in the industry, people are looking to us, what are they doing? Um, what are we modeling behavior-wise? Um, so it's not so much about selling less beer, but just like Anheuser-Busch had uh, their campaign uh, back in the 90s, after MAD got crazy and you know probably laid down the law and said, you guys gotta be doing something about this, and they came up with the drink, what is it, drink responsibly drink is their slogan. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really just about not selling less beer, but being more responsible and not looking outside at the community, but starting with us as an industry and being responsible with that. Well, the beer is gonna be made. So when yeah. you put it into the tank, when you're making the beer, you know your level. You're start, like it, it, you're not going to go any less. You're not going to go any higher. The beer is going to be made. The craft beer industry is blowing up more and more. And we look at Florida becoming more like I, my goal for 2018, and I will not stop, is that this becomes a travel destination for beer. Florida will be this, and I know it will, and it has been. Uh, certain people that I meet flying in from upstate New York. Uh, so I don't think we're ever going to like see less beer. I don't think that's what we're trying to talk about here is less beer. Uh, mindful. mindful. Mindfulness. Resp yeah. You know, yeah. responsibility. Uh -huh. uh, the beer is going to get made. It's going to get drank somehow. And I don't think you're ever 
throwing away the beer going, well, you know, business is bad. No, business is good. Uh, we have promotional stuff to bring you back to the breweries. Uh, we're seeing ale trail maps now going everywhere. There's things out there that bring you to the brewery. There's awareness. There's podcasts that talk about beers. You know, there's a, now, there's a lot happening. Mm -hmm. It's not going to slow down. We're never going to say we're, we're, we're drinking less beer. Drink what you like. Mindfulness. Mm -hmm. All right. So if someone isn't using drugs at the workplace, why drug test? Where is the line where employees are letting their staff members make their own decisions? So I think with this question, um, again, I think it's just whatever the company wants to do. I mean, I personally, and I was talking offline with someone about, you know, like if you're using drugs and you're having problems at work, clearly there's a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're having interpersonal issues on the job, then there must be some underlying thing going on there and it needs to be addressed. So I think if you're asking, you know, does everyone, because I know when I got hired for Life Path Hospice, I had to go through level two background screenings because I was working with um, vulnerable populations, but I also had to be drug screened. Now, they didn't do hair samples. They did urine samples. Some, I think you mentioned Anheuser-Busch did hair samples when you came on board with them. Yep. Um, so that was a very intense drug Yeah, it was screen. a random uh, hair testing uh, every month. Um, Monthly. And then, obviously, if there was, like Josh was saying, if there's, like, any kind of accident or whatever, you're automatically drug tested. Um, I personally, you know, I, I had disdain for that rule, um, mainly because, and I'm not a big weed smoker, but, like, to me, you know, I think there's a, there's a healthy way to consume marijuana. And, like, I, I don't think that, I also felt, and I was 20-something, whatever, 25 at the time or something, and I'm like, why are you telling me how to live my life outside of these doors? You know, if I'm doing my job properly and I'm, you know, being productive at work, why do you get to say what I do when I leave here? Um, and so I think that, I mean, I think that is a question. Um, I think we have to sometimes not always look at everything as, like, maybe black and white, but, you know, how is somebody performing? Is there an indication that there's a problem? and then kind of deal with it from there. I mean, that, that to me is more where I come from on it and what, how I feel about it versus just a blanket, like no, no drugs ever for anyone. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to promote drug use, but I just think that, yeah, there's a, there's a balance there. It's like, at what point in time do I have a say in your personal life, you know? Do you, um, the other question that someone was asking in relationship to um, drugs as brewery owners, do you see um, like you having to handle that within the, I was going to say office, within the brewery? Um, you know, uh, I mean, I haven't dealt with it. Um, that's not to say there hasn't probably been moments where I should have maybe addressed something, but I mean, for the most part, like, you know, I, I know a lot of my staff likes to smoke weed. So, I mean, that's, but they don't do it when they're at work. And like, you can tell, to me, I, I think it's very obvious if somebody is um, or isn't. So that's, that's a big deal for me. Like, if you come into work high, like, that's not okay. And um, it's the same thing, I guess, with drinking on the, you know, having yeah. beer during your shift. Yeah. yeah. No, no way. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but, uh, and I know it, I mean, it is, it, it's, there's a, there's a part about enforcement that's difficult there, you know, and you have to kind of trust your people and, like, have your other, some of your staff be aware, you know, well, I see this guy's coming in high every day. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Um, He's like forgetting stuff or showing yeah, up late. Or, like, right. Yeah. I mean, so um, 
Yeah, it's a difficult question. I don't really have a great answer for it. I guess. Well, I think in Florida too, I think we're sort of in an unusual position because uh, we're looking and moving probably towards the direction of it being um, able to be used recreationally. Um, someone actually mentions about I, medical cannabis. May I uh -huh. go on this? Because I think we're kind of, I want to keep going with the mental, mental health of this and uh, I have to open up on something which I wish I knew and earlier this year, we lost a good friend at 1010, George Saunders, who had a heart attack. And most of us did not know what was going on outside of his life. And uh, when we lost George, uh, I worked with him when I, when I, was, doing the, when I was doing Hop On. Uh, he was my taproom manager that I'd have to speak to. I've known him from other stuff, uh, also with music. And um, Lord, we didn't know. We didn't know what was going on. As, in his personal life, and he was using, in a way, if you will, and uh, and I think once suicide is is talked about, like when we start thinking about it, um, where is that fine line? Like, when do we start to talk to him about it? And everybody, there was two people I know that said, "I wish I could have said something. I should have said something." And this was my best friend, and this is I saw him every day that I worked with. Uh, he was always there. I mean, seven days a week if if George had to be there, but he had another job too. And um, yeah, I, 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 this is happening. Like really it is happening. There's a lot of mental health going on in, in the industry. And uh, how do we, and when do we talk about it? Losing George was, it, it was such a wake up call. And I wanna say, I feel that that's the reason why maybe I'm sitting in this chair or realizing that two of my heroes this year have passed away. The Scott Hutchinson of Frightened Rabbit uh, jumping off the, the Fort Road Bridge and then uh, Tony Bourdain. I would not be in front of the camera if it wasn't for that man. So um, yeah, I think suicide is a huge, something we should be talking about more and uh, an awareness in that and knowing some self-help that we could get too, you know, and so. I wanted to have um, our clinicians on the end sort of talk about that because we've talked um, offline about impulsivity increases when right. drinking and substances are involved. Um, so it's not necessarily bipolar disorder that we're looking at. We're actually looking at someone who is abusing alcohol or substances, which can make someone be more impulsive and more likely to jump out in front of a car or <coughs> jump over a bridge, um, take a gun, and complete suicide. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And, you know, I think that one of the mo most common misconceptions I see in the lay public is that People think that only depressed people commit suicide, and that's rarely the case. Um, it's more often you're bipolar, you're schizophrenic, or somebody that is impaired. Um, that is probably the highest risk factor is impairment with alcohol, impairment with other uh, CNS depressants, so op opioids. Um, <coughs> but most people aren't going to come out and tell you, hey, I'm having suicidal thoughts. You've got to be observant. If you see changes in people you are friends with or, you know, family members, you, you have to address it, you know? What's going on? Is there something I can help you with or something you need to talk about? Um, or just give them a referral. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. No, I, I agree. You really probably need to address it and certainly substance abuse and, you know, the whole opioid crisis that we've been in. I mean, I'm pretty sure a lot of the people that die absolutely had no intention of, die, of committing suicide. It's just the, 
the drugs that they're getting a hold of now because it's so difficult to get. I'm not pro-pharmacy, but at least they were safer than the things that people are making now on the street and the fentanyl that gets in there. So people are thinking, you know, I take this one pill that looks like something that came from a pharmacy and it doesn't. And I think it's sometimes it's hard to tell who those people are. I've worked with a lot of people that were going to work every day. As a matter of fact, I had a doctor about three or four years ago that actually came to my office. He wasn't fired. He wasn't in trouble. He, nobody ever caught him. And he had put a port in himself so that he could shoot himself up. And he got help. And the st good story is that he's alive and well and doing great. But I mean, I don't think people real. I mean, the people around him had no idea how serious this problem was. So I'm not a huge, I don't know in this industry if drug testing is the answer, quite frankly. I would probably say it's probably not. I just, I think being aware that it's a huge problem and probably more people than not are using drugs. And in the state of Florida right now, the way it's presented with our programs is that if you have a prescription for medical marijuana, you can, you can have marijuana. You can test for marijuana. So we do test for it, but we give them right. a free pass. It's the same thing with uh, and the opioids and the, if they're taking, you know, yeah, the benzodiazepines. But again, we we look for prescriptions. We look for like legit that someone's managing that. That that's. But I'm not. I kind of agree. I'm not sure it's an employer's obligation to police that. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to be in that position, which would be a good reason why you might want to get a professional person to refer people to so that they can have an honest dialogue with them because you know somebody comes and talks to me it's completely confidential I'm not going to be calling the employer back at me and like whoa you got a problem right. <laughs> right? right and so we're completely confidential so I think it's probably better to let professionals deal with it yeah, yeah. and in the healthcare industry we mm -hmm. have different uh, organizations that do deal with it so impaired professional nurses um, PRN, I can never think of what that right. stands for, but that's, again, for professionals. So, you know, we recognize it. I mean, when you have ready access to all kinds of controlled substances, that can be a problem. Um, and so, you know, it's not about, like, firing somebody or taking their license away. It's about referring appropriately, helping them to get the help they need to get into a recovery modality and to lead a healthier life. Um, and speaking of helping professions, the legal, the Florida um, Bar Association mm -hmm. has recently recognized they're having a lot of suicides within that profession. And um, someone within that group said, hey, we need to be doing something about this. What can we be doing for our people? And so they're actually developing um, something within uh, the association to be able to sort of offer an arm of support, a place where um, people within, as professionals, can go to and sort of get that support. And that's something that I was going to um, get to and sort of talk about is what we could be doing. Um, this is, of course, the Florida Brewers Conference sponsored by the Guild. I think that that's where we could be offering people support. Um, or at least resources starting from the top up, and then um, you know making sure as a company we're also doing our individual um, part as owners, um, or even just colleagues with one another. Um, that was one of the questions that um, you know how do you know if consumption's being problematic? Uh, let me go. So can we kind of talk about that? When 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 does consumption of alcohol become an issue for like when does it become the red flag? And, and, and sort of 
and piggybacking on that, you know, we look at the brewing industry, it's mostly men when we look at the statistics. What do we know about men? Men don't go to the doctors. I'm gonna generalize here because it's actually factual. There's actually, <laughs> there's, there's data that supports guys don't go to the doctors. They typically actually end up in a dire situation when they're finally addressing whatever it is because um, unfortunately we just have sort of set up this culture where that's not something that's the priority, whereas women have more of a tendency to show up in a doctor's office and really talk about it. And I think we, we spoke very easily, candidly, mm -hmm. during our pre-interviews about mental health, but that probably is maybe the first time you've ever sat down in your brewery and talked to another person about this topic, because um, it's just yeah. not something that's discussed. So um, what, what are the clues? What should we be looking for? With our with our loved ones, our colleagues. I mean, I think I, I think that's a really difficult yeah. question to answer because, right. you know, when um, we were speaking about the gentleman who had like you know been injecting, mm -hmm. you know himself and and like his ability to cover that up, I th and to your point about I wish I could have said something or Boy, you know, yeah. the thing is is that <laughs> people who have an issue usually they become very masterful at hiding, hiding it. it. And like, you know, in full disclosure for from, from me, um, some people here know this, but probably a lot of people don't, um, is that um, <clears throat> I very recently uh, got out of a 10-year abusive relationship. And um, so I was really good at hiding it, you know? And, um, and I didn't know what my resources were. I didn't know, like now I know. So <laughs> I think that knowing where your resources are is imperative and like as the employer, um, having those available and letting people feel comfortable with the fact like, look, you know, I'm not saying you have a problem. I just want you to know these resources are available. There is no hindrance to your job, to your, anything that's gonna happen to you if you come to me and ask me for, because like I don't have an HR department, so I don't right. have that where I can direct somebody to a place where you know, they don't have to disclose the information to me first, but I think that finding a way to make that information available to people so they know, where the, you know what the resources are, because I know that for me, you know, I, if I had known more about what, what they were and if I had somebody kind of reaching out, you know, I probably would have pursued that as a way to help me deal with the situation. Um, and maybe shame, I think, played a little bit because of the oh, culture of shame major. that yeah. in any, yeah. <laughs> anything that's difficult to talk about. You know, we carry yeah. a lot of shame um, when it comes to m mental health or domestic violence. I and think about 10 years of that, mm -hmm. 10 years of yeah. just keeping that in. That's and it's, it's very much, I mean, I, I liken it to addiction. I mean, and you know, like, I'm addicted to cigarettes. I wish I could quit. Times when I have quit, I have like had these moments where it's like, and I still haven't yet, but I'm going to someday. <laughs> but you know, that is an addiction that I have. And so I, I have I noticed very much like how much um, the domestic violence thing was was like that. It creeps it, and I think any addiction, it creeps up on you. And then all of a sudden you're like in a place where you don't, you're like, how did I get here? And like, this right. isn't supposed to happen to me. I'm better than this, I'm stronger than this. Like, and so now, if you are admitting it to other people, you're admitting it to yourself, then you have to do something about it. And that also becomes a struggle because you don't want to have to. So it's, it's like just the thing that keeps turning in your brain. 
but I was going to say like about the cigarettes, like, uh, you know, you'll have a moment where you'll be going about your day, you're fine, and then mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I, why did a cigarette like come to my brain right then and there? You know, it just, like, you get so used to having it control you, and I don't know, it's so rambling. Devin, <laughs> you, you hit on, um, we use a, a screening questionnaire, and I, and I love it because it's so easy to remember, but it hits on all the high points when you'll know that it's becoming problematic. It's called the CAGE questionnaire, so it's C-A-G-E, and it's about cravings or do continued use. When you've reached a point of intoxication, do you continue to use or do you wake up with cravings? Um, do you get annoyed with people talking to you about your substance use? Um, and that's probably the one that's most prevalent that you, you would recognize. You know, if, when people start talking to you about their concerns, it's probably a it's problem. A problem. Um, mm -hmm. The other one is guilt. So do you ever feel guilty about your use? And then the last one, and that it's most, it goes with cigarettes, but it also goes with alcohol, is the eye opener. So E stands for eye opener, you know. Oh. Do you have to have, use a substance in the, as soon as you get up to stop your withdrawal symptoms? Mm -hmm. And even when people binge drink, you know, people think about, uh, going through withdrawals has somebody that's been continuously using for long, long periods of time. And that's not true. When you binge drink, the next day you're going through withdrawal. And that's, you know, part of the, the physical discomfort um, you feel. And, and you'll probably recognize it if you've, you know, overdrank, the tremors, the, the really feeling very ill um, are part of that withdrawal process. I, I just want to speak to the, uh, the the eye opener part of what you just said too. I think one of the things, you know, for me was that I always thought like the, what alcoholism looks like is that person who is drinking like a, you know, a bottle of vodka the minute they wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and like, you know, and that's it. And as long as, you know, you're not there, then you're right. fine. Hiding and, like, it in the toilet. Yeah, thing. which yeah. But yeah. that's totally not the case. I mean, I've like, never done that. Yeah, but I've heard. <laughs> You've heard of it. Right? I've heard. Or You've like seen hiding Lady it Las in Vegas the AC with thing. Nicolas Cage. These are yeah. stories told right. to me. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's important to recognize that, you know, alcoholism happens can happen way before that. It can. It doesn't have to look like that. Right. And so right. we have these perceptions of mm -hmm. what. Well, it reminds me too of like growing up in the '80s when they had like the um, "This is your brain on drugs" and it was like an egg. Yeah. So you have these like perceptions of what it should look like. So if I'm not meeting the criteria where my like no my nasal um, thing is like disappearing because I've like don't done too much blow, yeah. then I probably don't have a problem. But right. once I start losing that, <coughs> I have a problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't there was a commercial. I do yeah. remember that back oh, yeah. in the day. Drug free campaign. Yeah. The, they were the like now they're the memes. It was like the memes of the '80s. Everybody made fun of them, or the Indian crying for the littering. Mm. Everybody made fun of those. Those yeah. were like the the ABC PSA memes. Back yeah, in the day. yeah. <laughs> I think one of the interesting thing with working with people with addiction that I found is that every single person I've worked with that stopped using at some point comes back and says, "I knew I had a problem for a really long, long time." time. So it's interesting because people, you knew you had a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if we're not sharing that we have a problem, people yeah. know that they have a problem very clearly. They not, might not be ready to say they have a problem, but yeah. people know exactly 
what's, I mean, I'll have people ask me, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I go, well, you already know the answer. <laughs> so right? I'm positive that you know the <laughs> yeah, answer. Here. So I'm not there, so I don't really know. But if you are asking the question, yeah. do you think I'm a drug addict or do you think this is harming me in any way, I put the question right back because people know if it's a problem or not. And the other thing is that alcoholism is a progressive disease. So it just keeps getting worse. And so even if you're in your 30s and you're doing pretty good and then you get to your 40s, I mean, you know, I see 50, 60 year old people that, you know, and I think that's the other perception is that people that are alcoholic drop dead. Well, you know, the ones that drink gallon of vodka a day, maybe, but right. the people that just binge drink and over drink don't. <clears throat> but oftentimes we'll see people that present with alcoholism in a later stage at older ages that yeah. have drank very heavily or binge drank as younger people. So just be, I would just be aware and, of and that. And that is actually becoming a much more mm -hmm. prevalent problem with older adults. Um, you know, they have their cocktail in the afternoon and then some wine with dinner and in, we're talking like 70, 75-year-old folks. Right. Um, so the use of alcohol has become very accepted. And, and so now, like, how do you get to understanding what's reasonable intake and what's not so reasonable? Which I think, um, to segue, you know, for some people, they have anchors. And I kind of talked about that. Like, mm -hmm. for Josh and I, we want to wake up in the morning not hungover. And having a five-year-old um, running around, running us around, like we want to be awake for that, not hugging the toilet bowl, and her asking like, "Why are you guys throwing up?" You know. So we have some anchors in place that probably, if we, I don't know, if we didn't have Greta, it might look a little bit different. Um, I don't. I mean, I, who's to say? But I think um, you know, trying to balance all of that, you know, making that approach from family life to the work life, the beer life. Um, trying to find the balance of um, not excessively drinking, but also like having to be a role model. And I'm sure people within this industry who um, have chosen to have families probably even struggle with that too, that pressure to like be the brewery person, but then they also have to like turn their, you know, mm -hmm. boots in and then they gotta go um, back to home life. And I think that can really make it hard on a lot of people too. Also a reminder, this is sparkling water. Thank you, Jenny. That's not vodka. <laughs> In case you came late, that is not vodka. <laughs> I still can't pronounce it. So one of the questions that someone in the audience, for the clinicians, how often um, do you see clients who have made the smart decision to appropriately medicate for mental health issues who are unwilling to allow their medication to have its best effect by not drinking, and then how do you encourage that discussion? So do you get, I mean, I know with other practitioners that I've talked to, a lot of times they're like, listen, I know you're gonna probably drink. And maybe you've probably heard that from your prescriber with mm -hmm. the Wellbutrin, like, mm -hmm. I know you're gonna drink, but you need to be smart about it. Um, how, you know, yeah, and how do you that, talk about that? I think that, well, you have to talk about it. I mean. Yeah, it's on that checklist, like educate right. patient on <laughs> right. interaction. Because under the law, we have to go through the risks and benefits, you yeah. know, um, and food-drug interaction. So we do have to talk about it. Um, and, you know, I, I would say it's probably 50% um, who are willing to go substance-free for a period of time just to see how the medication works. Um, and then, and I, and I think some of it goes along with the chronicity of the disorder, you know. Is it, if we're, say, dealing with major depression and they've had, you know, experiences with that maybe 10 years ago, they already know, like, if I don't clean up some stuff, 
I'm not going to get better. So I need to work on my getting better and then go back to my recreational activities. Um, it, when it's a, a, you know, maybe their first time, you know, they're young, they're 20s, they're going to say, and, and I always bring it up because sometimes they don't say, oh, by the way, you know, can I drink at all? Um, and you have to be honest with them about, okay, when I talk about drinking, it might be very different than you're talking about drinking. So what constitutes a drink to you, you know? Because a glass of wine, now, this could be my glass of wine every day, you know? That's very different than this little bit being a glass of wine. So yeah. trying, to, trying to have a relationship with your patients is really important. And I, and I believe in that. Um, and I certainly can't. And Jacqueline, you know, because we used to work with a doctor that was like, absolutely none. You yeah. know? And that's the first thing that turns a patient off, is if you say, you can't do anything, and I don't want to know about it, and I'm going to kick you out of the practice if you do. Well, yeah. you know, that sets up an adversarial relationship. I want to have a collegial relationship mm -hmm. because... And transparent. Like, you want to know. You know, you're a consumer of my services. Uh, it's not about me being your dictator. Yeah, and we want to give you information too. I mean, I think it's mm -hmm. important to know like, hey, this medication is going to be much more effective if you're watching how much um, alcohol or substances you're introducing into the medications that you're being prescribed um, so that you're aware of that, those interactions. Um, and we, and we have to say too, I mean, people do accidentally, you know, take the, for like benzodiazepines, for example, are a terrible drug to ever mix with alcohol, but we know people do it mm -hmm. a lot. I think Heath Ledger actually probably, um, I think died from an overdose mixing with alcohol. Um, so it does happen. So, and so going along with that, my other question that came up is, it's related to the clinicians, how often do you see, or I'm sorry, there are many articles on a beer a day is healthy for your heart. A glass of wine a day is good as going to the gym. What are your thoughts on that? Have you guys seen research on there's, that? There's a ton of research out there on that. And, and it's actually interesting because you know every day you could find a, a research on it. And we really honestly don't know. Well, who's writing the research? Did the wine industry or the beer industry get the scientists to write <laughs> that? Right. You, do, you always have to look at who put the research out. We'll do our journalistic. <laughs> You'll do that. We'll, we'll reach out. I'll be back. You, I'll go find out doing any, you. know, what we would call randomized control studies. We're not taking uh, an experimental and a control group, and this group doesn't do it. I mean, it's all anecdotal. It's not about, and so you have to trust that the people who are saying, I only have one glass of wine a day, is only having one glass of wine a day. Or the people who say, I don't drink at all, are really never drinking. Uh, and you know, that's, that's difficult. We don't do those kinds of studies, so. I'm, an all, I'm all for moderation, everything in moderation. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, nothing in excess, because um, I think like how are you gonna enjoy life if right. you don't get to enjoy a little bit. But I think that's practice and But we do that know excess alcohol, excess benzodiazepines, excess opioids are gonna have a, a bad effect on and, your physical health. And so is chocolate. I mean, if you eat too much chocolate, oh, it's yeah. gonna have a bad effect on your health, you know? Like, yeah. What's you... chocolate? <laughs> Keto. <laughs> right. What is it? All right, so I wanted to cover actually taking this talk back to staff. So this has come up, um, wanting to know, how do we, how do we have this talk in a non-overwhelming way. So what's the best approach? 
Devin, what are you thinking? <laughs> You're like, oh my god, I have so much stuff I have to do when I go back to work. <laughs> we just stressed her out more. She's going to yeah. drink later. <laughs> Wherever you're going, let me know. We're contributing. Tito's fired. <laughs> That's, I mean, I would, I want to hear recommendations, the answer to that question, because, you know, I, you know, I would like to be able to have that kind of dialogue with my employees, and it's really hard to, it's a very difficult topic to bring up, so, and, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any advice? <laughs> I, don't, I really don't. It hurts to bring up 1010 again in George Saunders, but it, I mean, when was it okay to mention it? Mm -hmm. uh, when was that open dialogue going to happen? When was Grant Hutchinson and Scott Hutchinson's uh, brother of uh, Fright and Rabbit, they were Fright and Rabbit together, when was Grant going to realize, oh, that song you wrote, Floating in the Fourth, is 10 years later, exactly what you are going to do, <clears throat> jump off this bridge and float into the North Sea? Well, mm -hmm. he went the other way and they found him. Uh, you know, when, when does this open dialogue happen? When can it happen? Here's this guy's brother, and he's like, I never talked to you, and now you're gone. Uh, it, it, and I'm not saying suicide is going to happen, it's not gonna be, but that is the worst case scenario, losing somebody. Uh, when, when does it become, when can we, how do you, and be a human being, be a passionate human being. If you see it, if you notice it, then just say something. I mean, we have to. Here's a, there's a lady right here. I, I see you right now. You, you're getting tissues, and I want to know what's on your mind and how this is affecting you. Like, you are crying in this, and I, w I would love to know. Do you mind knowing what brewery it is? What? It's marker 40. Your marker 40? Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. She's our mom. Yeah. care like we care and yeah. this is how yeah. it should start i've noticed you for the seriously for the last half hour i was like man i really want to know what she's thinking because this is affecting her uh why not it, it, we should be able to talk to one another mm -hmm. it is a family uh something like motorworks i know barry was here but it, it is a bigger brewery but when i look at a family like green bench 1010 uh like valerie's a sister to me i know for a fact she is going to make sure she is going to talk to anybody on her team I know her, I know Chris. I, this is a family that I adore. There are breweries that are small enough. You guys, I'm serious, Hidden Springs, no one is going to walk out a door without you making sure that Erica's good, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ian's good, or having Big Stu good. Be there for each other. If this is a family, this is what it is. Craft beer, I said it, it is like, it is a, it is a band, it is a, it is a song. You take one element out of a beer, you change a hop, you're changing the song. You're taking, adding another instrument in. So if you are that band, if you are, are, are making, like you take one actor out, that hop, comparing it to a film, you are all creating something together. Make it happen. Talk to each other. And I really hope, I hope the Twitch is working. I hope I could post this. I hope you yeah. ladies will allow me to put this as a podcast episode. Oh, absolutely. To, mm -hmm. The brewers are listening, and the masses are listening, and I want people to know, yes, take this time to pause the podcast and say, 
yeah, let me go talk to whoever's next to me behind the bar or something like that. Uh, love, love your family, know you are a family, don't take a day for granted. There's one thing I learned with my wife, we will never ever take a day for granted. I never tell her no, I never judged her one day in my life, and I have never said, why did you do that? I don't ever need to do that. It's her, it's her, and I trust her, and I love her dearly. I will never take a day for granted, and we do not do that with each other, ever, ever, so. I, yes. Yeah, and if you mind, I'm going to repeat what you said, that 17 years you've known each other and that you know, you've never seen a family quite like it in this industry. Again, I, I've done film for 21 years, and I see other, I've had my producer, I'm lucky, for 11 years, and, and Darren's great, uh, and Chris is great, but I've got to be honest with you, I, it is this beer community that I've spent two years in realizing that, yes, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm staying, I built a career in it, at a 43, I might feel like I'm late at it, hell no. Like, I, one day I might be the grandpa of it, and I want to be that. You know, I love it. I love it, and it is a family. But families have dysfunctions too, and so if they're not talking, <laughs> if they're not talking about it, let me turn this. My sister's listening. Let me turn this off. I'm the clinician. And I'm the good too. <laughs> we have dysfunctions too, so I think you have to look within your organization and start to sort of take a litmus test of what are we currently doing to address. Someone actually mentions here, um, where is that at? about Facebook. So if your employee is posting their mental health issues on their personal Facebook, Ooh. is it crossing a line to bring it up at the workplace? What do you think? I oh, have my that, response, no. but oh, it's I don't think Yeah, I right? Think Hell no. I think, we all, I think we all worry about crossing a line, and we're talking about people's mental health. You know, there's no line to cross. Yeah. If you've got concerns, say something. I mean, we're legally, the three of us on the panel, we're legally bound to oh, report. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we have a duty to inform as mandated reporters. And while other professions or individuals may not have that standard that we have, I think as humans, we have that responsibility. I do think that we can easily get caught up in what if they're mad at me? What if this? But what if they're dead? Right. Yeah. What if they've left behind a child? Let's what say, if they've left behind a family member? Yeah. Devin's flying um, back. Let's say this. Devin's flying back like three nights ago, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're stuck on the tarmac for 16 hours, and you're like, okay, it starts off with you uh, pissed off. Da -da -da. Finally, you're like, I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> Do you think I'm not going to text you? Hey, everything okay? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just yeah. text me when you get home. <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Is yeah. that If you notice that they're publicly putting it out there, if you're watching this happen after a few days, yeah, say something. And that's a cry for help. I mean, we have to it look a at it. It's a cry for help. Right. I mean, oftentimes when people attempt suicide, they're oftentimes really making a cry for help. Um, yeah, when you look yeah. at the statistics and the data of why that occurs. There's, that there's occurs. Facebook and then there's vague book. Sometimes people like to put that little vague, like, yeah, mm -hmm. a vague oh. post. But once you're <laughs> Facebooking and you're saying something where it's yeah. that cry for help, Grab it in, just grab yeah. it in, whoever you are. Like I said, don't take it a day for granted. Like, yeah, take it as, an, I, I think gone. it's take it as an opportunity to show that you really care about your employee, that hey, you're valuable to us and you, you've got stuff clearly going on, take them aside. Um, take that and, walk. Yeah, know, and yeah. get them right the resources. And actually, um, I'm gonna get with Sean too and, and talk with him a little bit about developing something maybe within the guild so that there's resources so that we all as a group have places to go for our employees. 
Um, I don't know, I mean, I see so much, I kind of got excited um, when given this task because I thought, wow, there's so much we could be doing in mental health for the brewing industry. The restaurant industry has recognized they needed to do it. The lawyers are realizing they need to do it. We're just as professional as lawyers and we need to be doing it for our people as well. Um, one thing I wanted to hit on is how do you minimize the shame that comes along with addressing this topic? Um, it's really about talking about it. It's doing what we're doing today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also aligning with the person. Yeah. Honestly, align with them. We're not perfect. Yeah. If yeah. you ever feel like you you can align with them, mm -hmm. pour your heart out. Yeah, and, and you know, in our line of work, we use self-disclosure sometimes when we mm -hmm. feel it's clinically necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, like self-disclosure sometimes can be helpful if you feel like it's gonna be a useful avenue for you to be able to connect with the person. Because let's face it, I think a lot of us feel like I'm the only one dealing with this, but if yeah. we really like peeled away what's behind that person, we're all struggling with a lot of these issues. We're just not talking about it. So if we can start to recognize that, hey, I'm dealing with the same stuff. I deal with anxiety. Um, I probably shouldn't have like 10 cups of coffee before 12. I should That's probably have thing. like one. Um, <laughs> I know this. Um, but yeah, if we're talking about it, we're helping actually remove the shame yeah. um, by making it something that we are talking, but that is okay to talk about. I mean, I think that's the challenge in this, in this, and in, in, not this industry, but in mental health in general. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, uh, just being accepting, I think, is is the, you know, not making somebody feel like, because they're probably already feeling guilty or bad about themselves, or you know, they're just looking, they're just waiting for you to give that back to them, and if you don't, and this, I do agree with you, like sharing, like something that you've been through, and like, you know, because uh, especially with like Facebook and everything, where you like you're scrolling through Facebook and. You're like, oh, that person's life's perfect, they're having like, you know, and you know, yeah, no, like, <laughs> it's no, not. and so when, especially if there's somebody who approaches you and you're like, yeah, no, I've been through this and this and this, and I struggle with all of these things, and they're gonna be like, okay, cool, like, you're not gonna judge me, you understand what it feels like, I think just being open and not judgmental, and that is probably the key, you know. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of people that have said after they were able to overcome either mental illness or addiction or both, that the thing that helped them the most were the people in their lives or the therapist in their lives who were their cheerleaders, who believed from day one mm. they could do it. So I really try personally with friends and, and patients to say, I know that you can do this. Yeah. Like, I know that you can do this. I believe that you can do this it really seems to be something that they come back and say thank you for that because I think more than having someone feel like they're judging you or that I don't have a problem with this and I can't really believe you do, that doesn't help yeah. anyone get better. <laughs> but I think when you feel like, wow, this person's really on my team and, they're, and they believe in me, um, I've had people I've said that to who've chose not to overcome their addiction and then have come back four years later remembered me and walked in my office and said now I'm ready yeah. and I said well I knew you would be yeah. <laughs> and they were and it just really was so much more helpful and I think even with loved ones like instead of being the alcohol police or the drug police and monitoring and counting and keeping up with it just to say when you're ready to do something different I'm ready to support you in that mm -hmm. is much more helpful absolutely we're gonna end here because it is 12.30 and again, being respectful of time. There's some questions that we didn't get to, but I'm gonna actually um, answer them in some format and get those uh, 
out back out to the community so that they can be answered because I think they are really good ones. We just didn't we didn't have enough time. Can you believe that? Right. We probably could have spent a whole day talking about this subject. Um, but again, I want to um, reach out to Sean and definitely do something for this community because I think this is. It, I, I only heard positive. I know a lot of people on the panel said all I hear is positive. People wanting to talk about this. We need to be talking about this. Mm -hmm. We don't need to have someone take their life in our community or kill someone before we actually start doing something about it. So let's start doing something about it now. Let's be proactive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and thank you to our panelists for um, opening up and sharing um, and just being as candid as, as they were. So Question thank for you. you. Was this your first panel you ever moderated? I consider moderating clients all okay, day. Okay, that's true. But like, but like this, I like moderate as sessions like every hour, every yeah. hour on the hour. Um, yes, yes. You did an amazing job, so thank, thank you. you. Yes. Thank you. I hope you do it again. I appreciate that. Thank you. So if you have any questions, um, both of our clinicians on the panel, I'm happy to hang around too. If you have any questions, um, feel free to hit us up. And again, thank you so much. For and same, everything you've shared. Same here, too. Yeah, honestly. Open yeah. book, so please. <laughs> and also, can I say something? A lot of women were here today, and I, I noticed I was the only male on the panel, and I was like, so I love that. I love yeah. that there's a lot more ladies here, so thank you. Yeah. I know, I actually felt bad about that. I was like, oh my oh, God. Not at all. We actually no. a beer event, and we have more women. Yeah, no, I thought it was awesome. That's a change. <laughs>so that is it that is the whole panel uh last week this week two episodes and thank you thank you for allowing us to post something like this and knowing that it's important um we we gave it a few weeks to kind of see if if an audience would want to hear it and everybody said it's kind of what we do anyway you really get into the heart and 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 what these brewers are doing and, and who they are as human beings and we said yeah you know what it is either anything from mental health or mental happiness or mental you get into the heart and you get into the mind of these brewers and this is exactly what we're doing with this podcast and i love it now with bands and more to come more to come uh always more to come with us so huge thank you again uh jackie who was our moderator co-owner of hidden springs uh i know she's doing more with this and sean norquist uh your executive director of the florida brewers guild He's in GABF. He's actually at the Great American Beer Festival right now and discussing this panel and the ideas of how this panel could do more at other conferences. And I am so honored that we're doing that. And I'm really glad that we were part of this one, the first one. So, Jackie, you're amazing, as always. And a huge shout-out to them, Hidden Springs. They had a great three-year party that we were just attended. And also a, a huge announcement. This might not make sense after October, but I want to say... A huge shout out to them to being our for being our beer sponsor at Fest this year. Fest 17, Fest 2018. We are going to be doing a live podcast recording up there on the stage of the Hippodrome. That has been one of my dreams for two decades now to be at the Hippodrome to do something like this, and it's finally happening. Um, also, uh, they. I'm proud to say that we are going to be doing more at Fest than just that. So we, we're going to be interviewing bands and we're going to be talking to people at Fest. And so a lot of things are going to be on the Twitch. So if you're not subscribed to Twitch, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube, if you're not subscribed to our Facebook, Instagram, uh, even now with our Patreon, things are insane right now that I can't wait to really... We're, we're slowly getting into launching uh, the What ALC 2.0, but... 
it is happening slowly but but surely. It has only been really me in the uh, you know at the helm of this, but also huge shout out to my good friends and participants and people that are helping me of Paul Roy, uh, Adam Tobias, Cameron Henson, Andy McGee, Jillian Quain, uh, Shankly Paisley. I love you guys. Um, this has been insane, and I love them I, I, and everybody that's been helping out. So. We are doing amazing things. Huge shout out to Sticker Wolf, who is doing our stickers, our buttons, and more to come out uh, that we're going to have for Fest and other events. More events are coming out. And please reach out to us. And please make it. Don't give us a two weeks notice. Uh, things are coming up. So we have uh, an event called Pulp that's coming in Orlando, Pulp Fest. Uh, Orlando, September 29th. Uh, Kyle, who's putting on this event, he's been really amazing. I know we don't talk about events really on here because if you catch on to the podcast later, but there's great bands playing, and he's got me into his band, Kinder Than Wolves, and I'm going to tell you right now, Addicted. Their EP from 2016. Paige, you kick ass. You remind me of this this band Ivy back uh, in the 90s. Uh, actually, it's Sadmiss, one of Sadmiss' favorite bands, and I think, man, why am I not told him about this yet so sad myth i hope your tooth is great i hope it's doing better uh lots of love to everybody that i shout out to and a huge shout out again to the florida brewers guild you are so important to us uh more to come with them more to come with us and uh again we appreciate all this you've already listened to the last week you're now into this week so you're caught up more brewers are coming we are we are going back out there uh, a lot trust me it has been a lot of work in the last few like month and a half so guys i appreciate all this um that is it on my end like dr dre says until the next episode terrible all right guys bye